The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today, I have a good guest, a special guest. I learned how to say your name, Jessica Teachin. She's going to teach us some things today. So everybody pay attention. Uh, I'm going to let her introduce herself and what she does and who she is. And then we're going to take it from there, everybody. So Jessica, take it away. So thank you so much for having me on your show. I love the topic. Um, it's one of the reasons that I, I wrote the book to tell my story and to bring my story into the world. So I perform a lot of different roles in my life. So I'm a mom uh, to three kids. I'm a wife. I've been a leader in the technology space. I love strength. So I am a passionate strengths advocate and a Gallup certified strengths coach. And now I become recently an author and a consultant. Um, to help more businesses become better workplace, become exceptional workplaces. And so for me, my purpose, what drives me as an individual is to help people to live exceptional lives. And I think that workplaces have to be a part of that because you can't really separate work and life. They're too intertwined. And so we need to, to shift our workplace cultures and shift our workplace environments to make them more exceptional for people and to, to really allow people to live more fully and more happy in their lives. I couldn't agree more. And you're right, especially depending on what you do, right? I know like for my wife and I, she works at the local high school, right? So she's been there for a long time. And I I work where I work directly with people and helping them you know, overcome addiction. And I know that can wear sometimes so much on your mind and your heart, right? Because you see the potential in people and you know, you just want them to get it. And sometimes maybe they're not ready or it's just not their time, right? They still have some learning to do, some lessons to go through. And you're right, because it's hard not to bring home work, right? Even though mm-hmm. I have to say my wife and I really work on trying not to do that. But, you know, at least we work in similar fields so we can go, I get that. Okay, so I can support her here. Or she's like, oh, wow, I need to support him here, right? So people, I don't think, I think they downplay how important the work environment is, right? It's almost like a campus or like a high school, right? It it could either be really good where everybody's supportive, right? They're supporting each other. Or it's like, hey, look what Sally's doing. So let's start gossiping over here, right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So kind of explain that a little bit more if you could, like what you do with, with businesses so that they can have a better work environment. Yeah. So for the last 10 years, I've been in leadership a variety 
variety of leadership roles, leading talent management. I've led IT, customer service, project coordination, all different types of shared services or supporting functions. And one of the key things I've done is worked in that business or in, in the organization I worked for to help them become an exceptional workplace. And what we discover and what we know is that people don't leave themselves at the door. If they have challenges at home, if they have conflict at home, if they have stress at home, it comes with them. You can try to leave it at the door, but you can't really. It is still there with you. It is still in the background. It is still impacting you. And likewise, when work is toxic or even just unhealthy, it doesn't necessarily have to be terrible, but even when it is unhealthy, that comes home with you. You you bring that stress and frustration home. Your kids feel that when you're working in a job that doesn't bring you meaning, purpose, uh, or you feel disconnected from the work that you're doing, you, you lack joy in the work that you're doing. Your kids feel that, your spouse feels that. And so I really, I think of our performance, I always use the analogy as a, of a mountain, that we have this performance mountain that we're climbing and we're on this journey. And how do we have the most exceptional experiences on our journey that we can. And so what I like to do with workplaces is to try to bring in principles, research, and practices that we know work. There's decades of research that shows the difference of having an exceptional workplace on the bottom line, on safety, on all of the metrics that businesses care about, Um, but to have them do the things that are necessary to make that a reality for the employees and to make that culture and that environment the best that it can be so that it translates into the financial results and the things that that businesses care about and want to achieve um, as part of their purpose and their mission. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. I've worked at a couple of places where that was very important, like that. And it came from the top, right? Like that it was important. We took care of ourselves so that one, like you said, we don't take work home. Our work doesn't, our home doesn't come to us to work. Right. And you know, it was just amazing. Like we did a lot of team building stuff, you know what I mean? Just, and got to know each other. Right. And then I've worked at places where just, you know, they did their thing, they'd sit out, do their thing. And then it was time to go home. It was like, Hi, okay, bye. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if you think about it, life and business, right. Parallel each other, right. How we treat people at work is probably how we treat our loved ones at home, right? So I want you to, if you can, to dive into some of the challenges or struggles you've gone through that brought you to this place where this is what you want to do. This is my passion, my purpose. Uh, I went through some pretty challenging um, health issues a few years ago. So after the birth of my son, I developed uh, a number of autoimmune conditions, chronic, um, at the time I had what they called chronic uticaria, which just means you have hives all over your body, all of the time and they don't know why. So they tried to treat me. This was went on for months. It ultimately landed me in the hospital a week before Christmas. I had a couple of miscarriages and and ultimately lost feeling in my hands and my feet. My body was turning purple and they still didn't know what was wrong. And that Christmas I spent in bed, mostly um, couldn't, couldn't move. I was on high steroids. I had epinephrine shots and my son was little. I couldn't wrap Christmas presents. I couldn't do all the normal Christmas things that we place such importance on. Um, but I couldn't do them. And so I really had to shift my mindset. And so I started a gratitude journal and I started the, what are the th- three things I'm grateful for in the morning? And what were the th- three things that happened throughout the day that I can be grateful for? And I had to get creative. 
I had to get creative with those at the time because I wasn't doing much. So it had to be that I was grateful I could give my son a hug. You know, I I was grateful that I was sitting with him while he watched cartoons, you know, and it was really small things, but they were so important. And I realized that, and I'd been teaching mindset principles for years, but I really had to put them into practice in a, in a space where I was really struggling and really having challenges. And I barely came out of that health challenge before getting pregnant with twins. That came with its whole own set of health challenges and, you know, carrying two babies and the impact on my body and the things that happened from that. And then when my girls were born, they had a dairy intolerance, so they could not take formula, made them extremely ill. So here I was a vice president in a business trying to keep pace with what I thought a vice president in a business needed to do um, to show up, to be there present um, while trying to to nurse two babies keep them fed and keep them, um, you know, keep them healthy, really, once again, put myself into this just extreme level of stress and toxic behaviors. And it was through all of these different health challenges that I've had that I said, you know, that I cultivated the strategies that I use in my practice in our workplace and with people. And I took those. And then that's what similar, I think, to your story took me to writing a book in the last year and saying, I need to put this into words and I need to share this and I need to try to help more people learn these principles. We shouldn't have to wait until we're so much older to learn these things. We should be teaching it so much earlier in life because the wisdom exists. That's, That's kind of my story. I couldn't here again. I agree with you because right. If we teach some of this stuff, like with kids in school earlier, right. Instead of the traditional, and and I'm sure you've heard in the news, all this stuff that's going on, right. With teaching certain things. And if a parent says, no, you're not teaching my kid that now they're like an enemy of the state or, you know what I mean? They're, they're considered a domestic terrorist. Anyway, that's a whole different topic, but you know, my hat's off to you because I've always had respect for women, especially ones that are mothers, right? Because that's a job. I was raised by a single mother pretty much. And to watch how hard she worked to make sure my brother and I had, you know, clothes on our backs, shoes on our feet, a roof over our head, three square meals a day, and still do all the things that she had to do. Right. So I I mean, you guys have a tough job because your job never ends really. And then you say you got twins and you have a five-year-old son and you're like (laughs) vice president. See, but this, you said something that just, you know, is amazing right? You shared with us what you do. This is what I've done. At least this is what my mentors and my sponsor had me do early on, right? Because I had such a negative mindset. I had to do the same thing. I've been doing a gratitude journal for like 18 years now, but mine is similar, right? So mine is three things in the morning. As soon as I wake up, you know, before I quit smoking, my sponsor would say, do it. I don't care. You write three things before you go to the bathroom, before you smoke your cigarette, drink your first cup of coffee. I want you to write down three things you're grateful for. And then at night, before I put my head on the pillow to go to sleep, I do three different things. Right. And then the next day is different from the day before and so on and so forth. Right. So I have my client. I do that. That's the first thing I try to teach my clients. You got to imagine you're coming into treatment, right? Depending on what you're coming off of, right? You're really in no mindset to like even think about gratitude. But one of the first things I hand them is a composition book and say, I want you to start writing in here what you're grateful for. And they, you know, they first I get that death. eye, like get out Mm -hmm. of my room. Right. So I, then I'll wait. And then as soon as they feel a little better, then I really start pushing them to do that. Like my current 
current clients. They have tomorrow, I'm going to have them break it out. And I want to check to see if they're doing it. Because as you know, science has proven it, right? You start putting positive things like that into like a gratitude journal, it starts building new neural pathways in your brain so that you start thinking more positive. So, you know, that hit me right here in the heart when you said you did that. I was like, yeah, I got people out in the world that do that too. So my clients, you know, they listen to, if you guys are listening to this, you know, when this comes out, hear what Jessica just said, gratitude journal. And it doesn't have to be major things, just the small things, right? I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that I have a cup of coffee to drink. You know, I have, you know what I mean? What That's what I got, you know, and, and you did it going through some serious health challenges, right? So that's what I tell them. I go, what you're going through is temporary, right? But if you start changing the way you think about yourself and about the world around you, like I always say, either you exercise, right? And you start getting healthier and the mind follows, or you start doing things differently the way you think and how you see the world. And then your body will follow. You'll start feeling better mm-hmm. about yourself. So that's awesome, Jessica. You know, like well- you're the first guest that has ever said that where, you know, if you were here, just bump, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's awesome. Right. Because it's true. You don't have to be extravagant. Like for instance, like sometimes my client, well, what do I have to write? They think I'm going to have them write, you know, like really extravagant, like sentences worth of stuff there. I go, no, it could be one word. It could be two words. It could be whatever, you know? And once they get it, they go, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Right. Some of them, not all of them. They'll just never yeah. even do it. Right. So you know, thank you for sharing. There were, there were days where I wrote, I'm grateful. I have a comfortable pillow because that's (laughs) what I was on the whole day. And so I'm grateful that I have this pillow and it got, I mean, it got to that level, but I don't know if you find this, but now when I look at the world and I don't do mine as religiously as I used to, I still journal, but I, I don't do it in the same way, but I do it all day long and I try to incorporate it throughout the day. But when I see the world or I see small things or I see small moments, I'm so much more present and bringing myself back to how grateful I am. I watched my husband this weekend, put our kids in a big wheelbarrow and start to drag them around and they thought, that was just the funniest thing in the world. And I just watched this moment. I'm like, this could be on TV. Like this is such a special moment, but in another mindset, I might have, you know, completely missed that moment, you know, not paid attention to their laugh and the joy and the sun and the fall, you know, breeze and the, just the moment. And if I hadn't developed that skill set in myself. Absolutely. Right. And I believe in since getting sober, I have believed like what they teach, like be in the moment, right? Like the present, I can't change the past, right? That's depression. If I worry too much about what I did in the past, and then if I think too much about the future, that that's what causes my anxiety, right? Because I'm thinking about stuff I have one, no control over, and it hasn't even happened yet, right? And I'm starting to fill right. my brain, but like, that's how I used to do it, right? And, and that's how I would get clients to, to understand what I was trying to teach them, right? Like when I worked in Huntington Beach, there used to be an hour and a half, two hour drive from where I live, right? And I'd go, but I would sit there, at lunch and I would go out of the building, right? And there's right on the corner, there's like a, a big planner you can sit on, right? And I would sit there and I would be looking at the sky, you know what I mean? And I could see all the clients walking by because they're going to smoke, right? And they're like, what is he? That guy's tripping out. I go, and then some would always sit by me and go, what are you doing? I go, so I'm, I'm just grateful that I can see this guy. I go, I'm grateful that I can see the sun. You know, I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that I can breathe this air. I go for a long time. I thought I was going to be at the gray bar motel where all I saw was that light in the corner and bars. 
I go, so this makes me really grateful. And then I found when I would do that with them, I'd have that whole thing, like all of them would sit around me and, and I would tell them, what are you grateful for? You know, and I'd have them pick out things. And I said, well, that burger place over there is pretty good. You know what I mean? I said, well, see, that's cool. My freedom was a big thing, like that I'm free, that I don't have to run one, be like you locked up at one point or like me, you know, locked up at one point. I don't have to worry about where my next high is coming from or, you know what I mean? The stuff. And, and like you said, that mindset, it's like, to me, that's precious, right? It's a precious thing to have that kind of mindset to, like you said, where you can watch your husband, go take your kids in a big, you know, like, what do you call it? Like the red flyer. Yeah. The wheelbarrow, the yeah. wheelbarrow. Right. And, and go, <laughs> like you said, like I would have missed it. Right. Like I have a grant, like grandkids and they always ground me. Like, I'm really grateful. Like, you know, yes, I'm only 53. I'm pretty young to be a grandfather, but at the same time, I'm really grateful that I can keep up with them. Right. I'm not sitting in a chair going, Oh, you got to get grandpa's Walker for me or his cane or, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I, I get that mindset and, you know, and that's, what's kept me. I think a lot of the years of, I think over the years has kept me in the game of staying sober. It's just that gratitude mindset. Like everything starts with gratitude. You know, like I'm grateful I get to do this show. I'm grateful I have Jessica on here. You know, that's what I'm thinking to myself as I'm doing here. Right. Cause I bet yeah. you, have you ever met like those, what's that character who's always down, but you know what I mean? Those the, people like no the, matter the, how, the yeah. donkey on Winnie the Pooh or whatever. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Like you could tell them, look, Hey man, it's a great day. And they're just like, no, it's not, <laughs> you know, like, okay. But see, like you get to touch lives, right? In in the workplace, which you don't well, hear and, about and, that much. Well, and, and, and I actually wrote, so my book I wrote for three areas. I wrote it for workplaces. So okay. I think there's a lot that workplaces can do. And that's, that's where I want to, to try to focus and bring about change. Cause I think we're right for change right now with the, the great resignation happening and people want to work and live differently. And so it's time to change how we work. But I also wrote it for, for our homes and our communities, because I think sometimes what happens is we forget to apply the same practices that we do with our work in our relationships and roles at home. And so if we can take those same techniques that we use in the, in the corporate space and in the, in our roles in the workplace and we bring it at home and we start to be more intentional with our role as parents and more intentional with how we perform and how we communicate and what we do with our kids or what we do with our spouses. Um, and then even more importantly, you mentioned the education system and some of the challenges that are going on there. And, and that's really systemic in our communities. There's a lot of conflict and a lot of frustration and we have so much valuable information that we could teach kids. We have so many valuable things that we could do in our communities. And instead, so much of the effort is going towards conflict and controversy rather than bringing people together with connection and pointing those resources to drive more positive outcomes, to drive better results. And so I really wrote it around each of those three areas to take the same strategies that we know work if they're not mine. You know, there are famous researchers and people out there that have done all the work that puts it together in a way that then if we apply it, we can really bring meaningful change and we can help more people live exceptional lives, which is so my, the title of my book is the exceptional life revolution, because I think we have to evolve who we are. So it's a little bit of a play on words like your, your happiness, it's revolution, evolution being that we have to evolve. And if enough people evolve, we can start a revolution where more people are living exceptional lives, where more people are living their best possible life. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I want to get into your book again, like here in a 
second, but like, that's exactly right. You know what I mean? Like you're a strengths-based coach, right? Mm-hmm. You teach strength-based stuff. Like yep. that's how I am with the clients, right? What is your strength? I don't want to know your weakness. We already know what your weakness is, right? Heroin, meth, alcohol, right? <laughs> let's take that out of the equation. And now let's work on what makes you, you, what are your strengths, right? And that's what I try to do. I've worked in, you know, in a few mental health places where that was huge with the staff, right? Like the, the, the supervisors and the managers were like, we're going to do this strength-based training because if we can make you strong as employees, you're going to go out there and you're going to kill it with our clients, right? Because they're going to, you're going to lead by example, because you're going to be leading with your strengths and they're going to go, oh, this is how I have to be when I'm out in the community, right? Or this, Mm -hmm. which is, that's luckily for me, I've been surrounded by that you know, even in my journey in recovery is like my sponsor would always ask me, you know, what am I good at? You know, like he didn't, he never, he knew, he goes, I already know what you're weak at. You know what I mean? Cause you wouldn't be here if you were, you know, you didn't have this problem. He would take my strengths and use that Jedi mind trick against me. Right. And every time I thought I'm not going to do that, you know, and then I'd have find out that I would do it. Cause he just was really good at doing that. I want you to talk about your book a little bit more. Cause I want the audience to know, cause at the end we'll talk about where they can get it, but talk about mm-hmm. You know, how that book not only can help us in the in the workplace, but at home and with each other out in the world. Like if you're I hate to say because it brings it up, like I've seen it out there. Like you try to, some people are like this world has changed for some reason, right? Like you say hi and they look at you like, Ugh, like, what do you want from me? Right. I'm mm. just trying to wave hi, you know what I mean? But you see what happens. It's it's because whatever's going on in the politics of this world. I mean, and I'm not talking just the United States, but all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. But um, so to Tell the audience, and because this is the whole premise of my podcast, is taking individuals like yourself who have wrote a book or who do what you do and, and they share it with the world, right? So this is how I overcame my challenges. And this is what I do today to make the world a better place. So talk about your book some more. So I want to touch really quick on your comment about strengths too, in that I went to school. So I actually went all the way up through law school. So I'm a, I'm also an attorney. And after 20 years of schooling, not once did I learn about my strengths. Not once, not in all of those years, in all of that education, did anybody sit down and talk about how do I show up uniquely in this world? And what do I do best in this world? Right. And that if, if, if people take away only one thing from anything I, I write about in my book, the ability to cultivate your strengths, to focus on what makes you unique and become the best in the world at what you have the ability to become best in the world at can make such a difference, especially for our kids. So to me, that is one of the things I would love to see be different. So there's lots of controversial things we're talking about, whether we should teach in school, teaching about strengths or mindset or gratitude or those, those skill sets um, should be not controversial. Those should be pretty right. universally acceptable. So um, so there are some things like that that I think really could shift how our communities exist and how we show up together as communities. My book is all about um, the exceptional life revolution. So, so moving to, um, an exceptional life and how to live that exceptional life. And, and for me, it 
comes back to, I want to help people that when they get to the end of their life, they look back on their life and say, I lived the best life possible. I truly lived an exceptional life. And I I share Mm. the story of my grandmother, who's 90 years old, who, when I told her I wrote this book and was telling her about it, she said to me, you know, I really feel like I lived an exceptional life. That's not because she lived a perfect life. She lost her father when she was eight years old. She lost her son at 18. Uh, She lost her husband when he fell down the stairs and never, never woke up from that. And so, so much trauma, right? So many challenges and so many issues, we all go through them. And so an exceptional life is not perfect. There's no such thing, but it is a life that is filled with exceptional experiences. It's filled with those moments of joy, of peace, of happiness, of success, and whatever those things mean to you as an individual. And so it's really about loving the journey that we go on throughout our life and making the most of all the experiences, good and bad, that we have while we're on that journey. So that's why I I use the example of a performance mountain. I also believe that performance starts with you. So I talk a lot about strengths and getting to know yourself and taking the time to really know yourself. And that's where I think it's ironic. I went to school for 20 years and didn't spend time doing that until I got out of school. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I mean, the only thing I think where they teach strengths, right, is if you're an athlete, right? They're going to pull, okay, you're a good defensive lineman or you're a good board on the basketball team or whatever. Right. But other than that, they really don't like, you're right. Mm -hmm. Like they don't tell you about, Hey, Jessica, this is what I want you to go home. Here's your first assignment. Um, I want you to go home and write a paper on what positive mindset means. You know, (laughs) I never Mm -hmm. got an assignment like that. Are you get what I'm saying? So everybody listen to what she's saying. And I, we're going to push your book on here because I think it's important that people understand. And what I'm hearing from you is that we should be the same where we are, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at home or whether it's out there in the community, helping somebody or doing something in the community, right. And, and using well, and, our strengths to our best ability. Well, and I, the way I like to use it, cause I, I love this analogy is I like to think of, you know, strengths-based development as different than our weakness focus, right? Like a lot of times our, our strengths can even manifest as weaknesses. I like to say our weaknesses are oftentimes our strengths misapplied or overapplied. But when we take a strengths approach, instead of I always use a star. I'll use my hand on here. If you, if you think about your strengths as the tips of the star and you think about your weaknesses as the dips of the star, then when we focus on our weaknesses, it takes so much effort to make them just a little bit better that the best you can come up with is that you're going to be well-rounded. You're going to be average. But if we focus on our strengths, if we focus on our tips and making them even better and we manage around our weaknesses, then we really get to our star performance. We get to be at our best. We get to operate at peak performance. And so in my book, I talk about that there's four keys to peak performance, expectations, feedback, development and accountability. And that if you can do those four things well, if you can learn those four skill sets and the techniques and strategies that go along with them, that you can really achieve peak performance and operate at your best. And I think where it frustrates me the most actually is with kids, where we harp on the kid that can't stop talking. Well, clearly that child has a strength of communication. So how do we cultivate it? How do we help them craft that? You know, or somebody who just wants to come up with new ideas all the time and they just keep bringing new ideas. Well, no, you need to focus on reading your history, you know? And so we, we, we diminish what is the brightness inside of kids or inside of people. And we try to make them average, but 
who wants to be average when we can show up and be our very best person. And that's when we connect with, this is my exceptional life. This is me at exceptional because I am being and performing the, as the best that I can. Yep. And that's awesome. That's see, there's a, there's a gentleman I follow by the name of Ryan Steumann right now. I'm a part of his, his uh, mastermind or whatever you want to call it. Right. But he has four things too. that same thing. Right. But his are gratitude always have a grateful mind. So mm-hmm. writing down five things you're grateful for. I do his and mine, right? And then his is um, genetics, which he means by that. Are you eating healthy? Are you exercising? Are you taking care of yourself? Third one is grind, right? Are you know? Are you in a career you like? Even if you're not, are you giving your best at what you do every day? Are you, you know, because what we're doing is we're trying to represent to our children or whatever, like, here's me, this is the best version of me. And I'm always going to give you my best instead of like, oh, I'm going to be average. Like you said, I don't want to be average. Right. And then the first, uh, fourth is group. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Right. And you've heard that Mm. saying, right. If you're hanging around five millionaires, you're going to be the six. Right. But if you're hanging around five bad people, you're probably going to be the six. Right. So Mm. just what you're talking about just relates on such a deeper level, you know, like I get what you're saying. And I wish like you more people would get that too. If they just understood that you don't always have to focus on the huge goals. Yes, you should have big goals, right? You should have a big why that drives you every day, right? But if you have those things that keep you grateful, keep you healthy, um, you know, you know, you give your best, then you can be like you said, the most elite, the best and most elite version of yourself. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what I strive for. And that's what I'm hearing from you. That's what you strive for. And that's what you strive for, for the people around you. Right. We're a rare breed, Jessica, because there's a lot of people that are bitter out in this world. Right. And, you know, and I do my best and I have my moments, right. In the clinical vernacular, as they say, right. Like a client reminds me of somebody that's counter transference, right. That means say, I like, I have someone that reminds me of my son, right. That my son does, you know, they, our kids will know how to irritate us. Right. And so I've had to catch myself and go, you know what, this is not my son. I have to back up a minute and I have to look at this person in a whole different light. And then, you know, luckily for like you, like I've been taught to, okay, what's this guy straight? What's going to help him stay sober? It may not be the 12 steps. It may not be um, whatever, right? But let's get him moving or her moving forward by using their strengths. And, you know, I'm going to have to get your book. So you're going to have to message me after this so I can remember (laughs) because I'm 53. I have CRS and can't remember shit is so bad in my brain sometimes. (laughs) I have to write things down. So thank you for sharing about your book. So now I want to get into the questions that I love to ask my, yeah. my guests before we part, right? So fearless, knowing I, my book, we talked about it earlier, fearless happiness. So I asked my uh, guests, what does fearless look like for you? And how does that show up in your life on a day-to-day basis? So I um, recently read the book called The Courage by, by um, Dan Holliday, and it talked about the opposite of fear is happiness or is... Um, is uh, love. Sorry, the opposite of fear is love. And that resonated so much with me that in order to get beyond our fear, beyond um, the things that hold us back, that keep us from showing up as we want to be, we have to love ourselves and those in the world enough to go beyond it. 
to push ourselves beyond those limits and to, to, to put ourselves at risk of whatever we're afraid of in order to overcome that challenge. And so for me, that recently has just really resonated with me of, for me, fearlessness is loving the outcome, loving the results, loving what's going to happen because of my desire to move beyond and away from fear. Absolutely. Right. Doing the things we don't want to do and doing them anyways. Right. That's where the growth happens. Right. That's and to to tell the truth, if you think about it, will we become fearless ever? Like totally? I don't think so. Right. But it's that process like you just described. Right. If we can stay in that process and just keep doing things and right. We're always, you know, and some of us have extreme ways of overcoming fear, like heights or whatever. Right. I've jumped out of a plane twice. Right. And some people say like my wife is like, "Uh uh-uh, you'll never get me to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So some of us get extreme, but I get what you're saying. So I appreciate that definition uh, for you. And, you know, that resonates with me too. So the second question I love to ask is happiness, right? Mm -hmm. I put the why in there. Yes, I spelt it wrong for a reason. (laughs) Um, But I told you why. So what does happiness mean to you? Um, Right? Because here's the thing, right? We understand that happiness, because I hear this a lot, it's fleeting, right? But I like to hear when people really give me their, their heartfelt definition of happiness. So what does happiness mean to you? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? So for me, happiness is living that life journey of exceptional experiences. For me, happiness is being present is enjoying the experience, enjoying the journey and seeing all of the moments that are truly exceptional, truly extraordinary, unique and valuable. And that appreciating and seeing those every day, that is what makes me happy. That is what it means for for me and for for my life journey. Awesome. 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 Well, I've loved having you as a guest you have been amazing. Um, so if the audience wanted to work with you or someone in a business is out there listening to our podcast today, uh, let them know how they can get a hold of you, Jessica, and where they can reach you. Yeah. So you can find me on my website at www.evolvingtoexceptional.com. And if your audience wants to, they can pick up the first chapter of my book. I've put, put that up for free. So if you want to just download the first chapter and check it out, that's a good first step. And then with my book actually comes a free course and a free workbook so that you can really take the principles that I lay out in the book and put them into practice into the different roles you perform. So there's a lot of of tangible hands-on steps. And when I say workbook, I don't mean like three page, you know, pages of, it's a 76 page workbook. So it is a very (laughs) in-depth and and detailed workbook to to take you through the different steps and really bring about change in in your life. So um, if anybody wants to jump on, they can, they can, um, um, get that all off of my website. Again, that's evolving to exceptional.com. Awesome. And I was just going to say that too. Where can they get your book? Um, uh, it's books available on Amazon um, awesome. and at Barnes and Noble. So, um, you know, it, I think it's on most, most online retailers. So yeah, just, just jump on and get it. The exceptional life revolution, exceptional life revolution. I will say, I'll remember that, but you know, I won't. So I'll, no, email I'll, you. I'll send you a note. I'll send you a <laughs> note. Um, so I appreciate you again coming on. Any final thoughts for our uh, our audience today that they, you want them to take away? I, I always like to kind of close or, or, or comment on that a lot of people feel like that exceptional life is beyond their their ability is beyond something that they can have or that they can experience. And so I like to remind and, and tell people that it's not 
It is entirely achievable and all of the skills, all of the wisdom, all of the knowledge that's necessary to achieve it exists today. And not only that, but we have more technology, more insight, more knowledge and awareness of, of how our um, neurology and how our brains work and how all of our, our lives exist than ever before. So now is the time to step into and, and think about how do you live your exceptional life? How do you start that journey of living your life with more intention and creating those exceptional experiences? Boom. This bump again. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. Thank you again for coming on, taking the time and being a guest here on Fearless Happiness. I really appreciate, you know, everything you shared with the audience and with me. I hope you guys listened. That was some good stuff, you guys. So thanks, Jessica. Hope that I'll probably reach out and have you on again, because uh, this was some really good stuff. And I think this is something that people need to hear more than once. So, uh, you know, be prepared Absolutely. to get an email from me and uh, uh, we'll do this again. But I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. And again, audience pay attention she gave some golden nuggets that we all need to live by so thank you thanks